Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Hold on. I think my phone is on. I'm hearing myself. Good morning. Can't do that. All right. A little delay. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Um, Randy's going to be speaking, so I dusted off some cobwebs and got my guitar out. Uh, you know, it's been interesting. Uh, actually, got emotional doing Christmas songs. Yeah, I was like, because I hadn't played in a while, and I used to always kind of like ah, Christmas songs. I have to do them. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, just getting getting caught up into the idea of Christmas. It's an interesting thing. You know, the the New Testament doesn't talk a lot about the birth of Jesus, just a few of the Gospels. The epistles don't mention anything, but something is trying to be proclaimed in the story. And, and I think it's interesting just thinking on what is trying to be said in the Christmas story. I, I'm boarding this little dog right now. How did we get from Christmas to a dog? That's my brain. Um, <laughs> and he's a mini Bernadoodle, and he is like the cutest little thing. And so I'm taking him with me places, Home Depot, out to restaurants, getting him acclimated and how to behave in public. And everyone comments on him. Oh, what a cute little dog. Oh, this. And I'm out with my granddaughter, and everyone's commenting on how cute my little dog is, and I'm like, you know, do you not, do you see what I see? You know, I mean, it's kind of, but when we become familiar with something, it becomes more ordinary, and there's babies. There's not as many dogs, especially little dogs, Um, and I think people lose sight of the importance of things because it's so common. And I think the story of Christ's birth, what makes it so special is that it's not common. Not just in, oh, it's a miraculous, but in the intention. You know, here is Christ being born and he's going to be great, but not the way you think great is. All right, he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords, but not like you think. And that little difference makes it huge, makes the whole story huge. And I think that's part of what caught me up in just the story. Um, So I'm going to do a couple of actual Christmas songs for us tonight, but then uh, another one that we're probably familiar with. Father, we have a hard time grasping things that are so out of the norm for us. And the Christmas story is one of those things. It captures our attention, 
because of how different it is, how amazing you are. And Father, we desire at this time to lean into this story and what it has done to the world and is doing. And it's our prayer that this story can still change the world. And I pray that as Randy speaks on peace, that it will take root within our hearts and allow that peace to flourish, not only in our lives, but around us as well. And we do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel weird saying thank you, Sam. <laughs> but it is always, it always is good to hear you sing. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, how are the calluses feeling? <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, both of you. <laughs> um, just before we start, there's some some housekeeping, right? The the um, one thing that I get to experience for the last several years that. Um, many of you haven't, is that we collect these, these gifts for the Foothill Family Center, center uh, for their, uh, sh- sorry, the shelter, for the kids there, and I've got to deliver them. And I know you guys all participate in the collecting, and it's fun, and we get to, you know, the names and the ages, and we get to kind of imagine what it might be like for these children on Christmas morning to open those things. Uh, but going to the office and seeing, like, you know, I don't get to see the families, obviously, but I see the people that, that are working there and, um, and the joy that they have. Seeing what we've done for the people that they are serving is a pretty incredible thing. And so I just want to, you know, bring that up one more time because I know that we, that's something we did together. And I don't know, you know, um, when, they, when they say thank you, it's like they understand, you know, this is, this is doing something incredible for these kids who are um, in a place that they probably don't want to be. And so we, we give them a little bit of Christmas offering, joy, and cheer. And, um, yeah, it's a pretty special thing. Um, normal weekly announcement is, the, is that we are here because you all give. So there's a giving slide, right? There you go. Four ways you can support what we do here at Genesis, and we appreciate that you do, so we keep lights on and um, things like what we did for the shelter. Um, you all participated, and then there was additional uh, funds needed for things like the stockings and the other things that we provided. So um, all good. We thank you for your, for your offerings, for your giving, for your donations. And that's it. It's Advent, and... Um, over the last few weeks, Sam talked about hope, and then last week, uh, Brian took on joy, and today I'm going to try to tackle peace. I like saying tackle peace. <laughs> um, but I want to start with uh, a question, and you can answer this out loud, or you can just ponder it in your head, and we can talk about it later. But what, what is it that brings you Peace. What is a thing that comes into your head when you think about that word or you hear that word, peace? Is it Ringo Starr? <laughs> I called Gil out just now. 
<laughs> What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Uh, is it maybe security? Like gives you peace of mind, right? Is it maybe what's going on around the world and bigger situations in the Middle East and the Ukraine? What comes into your head when you think about peace? Piece of cake? <laughs> Healthy family. Healthy family. Calm. Calm? Mm. That's good. Those are both very good. The more I think about the themes of Advent, the more I, I realize, at least this year in particular, I realized that they're not just you know part of some old-fashioned tradition. The four typical themes are hope, joy, peace, and love. And those are the four things that our world is so desperate for. And not only that, but those are the kind of things that maybe in our own lives, we kind of let that lamp get dull. And we have this kind of yearly reminder to polish the glass and hang the lamp back up and see a little bit more clearly. Advent is a time of anticipation, of waiting with expectancy, expecting something to happen. And you might say, well, what are we waiting for? Jesus already was, he was born 2,000 years ago. And that's a fair question. And I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> I came prepared with a little Advent trivia this morning. The truth is about Advent, nobody knows really how it started or, or who started it. There's no point in time where we were like, this is going to be the first Advent ever. But history shows us that somewhere around the 4th century in countries like Spain and uh, Western Europe, there was already this idea that these four weeks of Christmas were to be reminders of these four themes. So for a long time, Christians have been doing this. They, uh, the days represent the celebration and a way to commemorate the birth of Jesus, to acknowledge what has happened since his birth, and looking forward to the second coming. Now, when Jesus was born, the time of Jesus, you might remember the name Caesar Augustus. He was the ruler of Rome. And as the ruler of Rome, he, that means he was the ruler of about 20% of the world's population at the time. And history tells us that under his leadership and through his ingenuity or brute force, <laughs> there was peace. The history of books call it Pax Romano. 200 years of no wars. 200 years without war. It's interesting that Jesus was born during that reign, that Caesar, that, that title. Sometimes they say it's called Pax Romano. Sometimes they call it Pax Augustus because it's really attributed to him. Roman peace. Jesus was born in Bethlehem during a time of peace. Pax, or pax, is the Greek word for that kind of peace. 
In our time, just like under the reign of Caesar Augustus, peace means the lack of conflict, the lack of war, the absence of war. So I think it's interesting that, that this is called good news to the shepherds in the fields, that there would be peace on earth. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The rock band U2 wrote a song. They wrote it in 1998 on the same day that there was a bombing in Ireland that killed 29 people. And the song came out in 2000. And here's some of the lyrics. Bono writes, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living, peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. You hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history don't, don't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? Bono was already deconstructing in the late, eight, in the late 90s, I guess. But it's an intellectually honest question. And it's the kind of question that we ask here at Genesis. What does it mean when the angels proclaim peace? In a time when the world, the history books say there was already peace. Every time, <clears throat> every time I think of a, a question that's hard like that, um, I, I, I can hear all the platitudes of things people have told me over the years to kind of try to make sense of something that doesn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> and I push back on those things now. What is it worth? What is it worth, this peace on earth that was ushered in at the birth of the Savior if there is endless wars and rumors of more? That's uplifting Christmas think right there. Do you guys do you remember the the very first Indiana Jones movie? The very first scene of that movie? That was like super iconic scene where it's just like super intense the whole time. And the whole goal is that he is going for that golden idol of like creepy looking face. You got it in your memory? <laughs> and he takes the golden idol, and he puts a bag of sand in his place. And for a second, he's like, I did. And he turns around to leave, and you see the sand kind of sink because he couldn't have known the exact weight of the idol he was estimating, and apparently he got it wrong, and self-destruct set in, and, you know, uh, iconic fictional story history sets in. That scene is always etched in my, in my memory, uh, and I think it will be forever. Peace as Pax, as, as the way Rome saw peace. The absence of war by any means necessary 
is different than peace is irene, which is the Greek word that the Bible uses. That is the peace of Jesus. It isn't just the absence of war or conflict or fighting. Irene peace actually replaces what is broken with something better. It replaces something broken with something better. Better than a sack of sand. I, I read uh, or Richard Rohr, he's not the originator of this term, but he calls this Pax Christi, the peace of Christ. And it's different than Pax Romano. Simply put to Jesus, the opposite of peace is not war, it's lack of love. The opposite of brokenness is not perfection, it's healing. The opposite of fear <clears throat> is not strength, <clears throat> it's faith. And in our lives, we fight, we have conflict, we experience brokenness, we deal with fear, sometimes crippling fear. And the truth is, being a peacemaker, a shalom bearer, and I, Arini, every time I say that word in Greek, I want to say it with an Italian accent, Arini. <laughs> That's hard work. That's a tough gig. Last time I was up here, I got to talk about shalom, which is the Hebrew word. And I said, shalom is the breadth and the depth, the climate and the smell of the kingdom of God. Shalom is the breadth and the depth and the climate and the aroma of the kingdom of God. And <clears throat> just for funsies, I thought I'd run through some scriptures totally out of context so that we can see the way shalom was used uh, in various ways. In Job 5.24, you will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. Can you guess which word is peace in that scripture? Secure. secure. The word secure is shalom. You will know that your tent or your stable is shalom, complete, full when you find that none of your property that is missing from it, it's, everything's there, everything's complete, it's whole. It's the idea that there's a brick wall and there's a brick missing, and that means it's not in shalom. But when you put that final brick in the wall, there's a song about that, I think. You've made shalom. <clears throat> shalom can refer also to well-being. And that's the next scripture. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Jacob was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Shalom is used three times in the sentence. He's asking about their well-being, their wholeness, complete. Shalom, shalom, shalom. The core idea is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts. 
It's full of all kinds of different relationships and situations. And when any of those is out of whack, shalom is broken. Restoration needs to happen. Life is no longer the way it should be. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or to restore. So in the scriptures, when Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple, that's when he completes it. In shalom or arini, you take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness or better. I read the story of a wealthy lady who had a very expensive handkerchief. Now, I have nothing to relate to in any of that sentence because a handkerchief for me is a bandana. <laughs> I might have a silk one somewhere in a jacket pocket that I haven't worn in a long time. <clears throat> but apparently they can be pretty pricey. And her child uh, got an ink spot on her, uh, on her handkerchief. And so <clears throat> at the party she was at, she said, it's ruined, I'm just going to throw it away. And her friend, who's an artisan, said, I can fix it. So she gave him the handkerchief. And when he delivered it back to her uh, a few weeks after the fact, it was no longer white. And it didn't look like anything she'd seen before because her artisan friend took her handkerchief the ink spot in the middle and made a design around it that was beautiful and unique and better than what she had in the first place. That is the peace of Christ. It's taking something that looks ruined and returning it better. Shalom is Job being made whole after the most devastating season of life. And Irene, this peace of God, is Jesus himself born during Rome's reign of peace. It's better. It's not peace by force. It's peace in love. Jesus says in John 14, 27, in this familiar verse, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you the, uh, as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So now I want you to think of that word, peace. Every time you see it in the New, in the New Testament, it is Irene. It is not just the lack of trouble, or the lack of war. It's, there is something more to that. And when I see this scripture, when he says, my peace I leave with you, I think of it as something weighty. I think it is like a gift. <clears throat> and it's something that we now have to give to the world. It's not, he says, it's not like this, you know, this, this Roman peace. This is the peace from God. It's not Pax peace. It's Irene peace. I give you Irene. 
not the lack of war, but something more, something weighty. My peace replaces that void with love. It's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Jesus, he's talking about Jesus himself is our peace, is our Irene, who has made the two groups, and he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making Irene. There used to be two. And now there's one, and it's better. Thus making Adini. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached Adini to you, who are far away, and Adini to those who are near. For through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus is replacing what is lacking with something better. It's like if you had the ability to step into what is, it, what is happening in the Middle East and saying, we're not just going to have a peace treaty, we're going to work together. Because that's better than a peace treaty. That's better than the lack of conflict. We're going to work together to make a solution. That would be an example of Irene. Jesus replacing what is lacking with something better, completing humanity, making whole his creation. Shalom is the breadth and the depth and the climate and the aroma of the kingdom of God. It's what we must do to show the watching world what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. It's not demanding our rights or waging culture wars or forcing people to say Merry Christmas. It's serving when it's hard, loving when it seems impossible, and giving generously of our time, our talent, our treasure. I read this story, and I thought it can't be true. So then I did some digging, and I found out that it was partially true. So I'm going to give you guys the the true story. (laughs) Um, there's a man named Dr. Howard Kelly. He was one of the founders of Johns uh, Hopkins back in 1878. He was a surgeon. But years before he was a surgeon, and actually his first love was that he wanted to, uh, he, was a, he was an outdoorsman, and he wanted to spend his time outdoors, and he was scientifically... Uh, he, would, he would take hikes and he would record everything that he was witnessing and he would take notes about the places he went. And that was his first love. His dad made him become a doctor later because there was more money in it. But um, one day he, he took this hike a little too far and he found himself farther than he should have gone and very thirsty. And he came across a little farmhouse and, you know, this is the 1800s, so people were a lot more neighborly than they are now. So he just walked up and he knocked on the door and a little girl answered and he asked her for a glass of water. And she came back with a glass of milk because she thought he looked 
malnourished. <laughs> like this is, this is better for you. That's, that's the peace of Christ, but it gets better. He thanked her and he said, what can I pay you for this? And she said, my mom taught me to never receive payment for a kind act. So 30 years on, he is now a surgeon at one of the greatest hospitals ever made. And that little girl comes in in need of surgery. And he recognizes her. And he writes to his collections office, right? This one's on me. I'm paying for the surgery. And then he sent her a note that said, your bill has been paid in full by a glass of milk. <laughs> that's what, that's what at any peace looks like. It's not just a lack of conflict. It's more. It's giving in. We have a family friend who is a single mom. Um, I may have talked about her before. She has an 11-year-old son who is... Um, he has disabilities, and he can't speak, and he can't walk. And, um, you know, she, she gives him a great life. And when I say, like, you know, when I talk about him, I always think to myself, still the happiest kid I know. Like, I don't want you to get this picture that he's just like this, you know, little sad sack. He's a happy kid um, and funny. He's really funny. But... It's hard for her because she, everywhere she goes, um, there's a lot of pieces, right? She has uh, a, a special wheelchair for him that's big, and she's a little person. So, like, all these things. He's getting bigger, so he's hard to lift. All these things that are happening in her life. There have been at least four times in the last couple of years where she will text Bree and say, you won't believe what happened. And it's always... Someone saw us at the restaurant and watched me feeding Jonah. Oh, sorry. And, uh, and when I went to pay the bill, it was already paid for. That happens repeatedly, right? And no one's, no one's ever taken credit for it. No one's ever said, it was us. We took care of that for you. Um, but it happens repeatedly. And I, and I think that what happens is it's not, it's not that she is overwhelmed with a feeling of like, man, thank God, because I couldn't pay for that. It's always been, somebody sees me. Somebody sees what this is like. And as much as she loves him and gives him this great life, it is hard. It's hard just to be a single parent, let alone everything else. So when she feels seen by something like that, it's a small gesture, but it is so meaningful. And like I said, there's no like... There's no one taking credit. There's no platitudes offered. Just a gesture of real kindness. That, to me, is taking something. Taking something and replacing it with a little something better. And that is what Pax Christi looks like in real life. That's something we can all do. That's the way that we can all participate in the kingdom of God. It's offering back something better. It's taking someone's lack and giving more. It's forgiving someone without ever hearing an apology. It's the baby born in Bethlehem to bring something more than Pax Romano. 
more than just not war, but reconciliation, restoration, and this love that bonds. And I think when I think of when I think of peace on earth in the context of Jesus being born, I think it's removing the void of not just war and filling it, stuffing it full with love. And that is the magic of Christmas for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time of year where we get to kind of dust off the lens and we have the tendency as people just to just to let things build up. And at least me, I fail to see the simplicity sometimes. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the world that is your kingdom, to the dimension that is your kingdom, that we would see the good, that we would pay it forward, and that we would participate in your kingdom as your children. And that would put a smile on your face. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Remember, next week will be our Christmas uh, service. It's Christmas Eve. It will be same time. Uh, So 10 o'clock. Hopefully you guys can join us for Christmas Eve next Sunday. And we'll continue celebrating. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.